um, uh, because I like the little hand. The hand shape is a really cool mixture between that humongoid uh, Windows one mm-hmm. and the teeny tiny little Mickey Mouse glove that you get on Mac OS. Mm-hmm. It's a nice middle of the road, and I like that. It's not and this the guy. Little, the, oh, yeah, it's also not that guy. I hate that one. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> um, they're a little swirly. Is fantastic. That that I think is um, beach ball was cool because it was colorful. Yeah. This one I think the Yaru one is way cooler um, because it adds a splash of color. But um, I don't know. It's still it's still animated in a very I I hesitate to say a fun way because how fun yeah. is waiting for the thing to go. But um, but yeah, I mean yeah. And then the cursor is Edweda. It's nice and sharp. I hate. Yeah. So that is a problem. Sorry, I'm sorry, plasma. Way. No, that's yeah, a problem with the reason, say... right? It's it's fat, and it's got a little fat. You know, the end of it is fat. However, I do I can't like the, stand it. I like the coloring. Can't. The coloring matches everything, and yep. um, you know, I I like the you know the arc dark breeze dark. You know, those colors they all kind of go together. So, yep. I like I like oh, those. Oh yeah, yeah. It it fits it fits the theme, but God, something about a chunky rounded mouse. I don't know why I don't like it. It's, it's I can't better describe than it used to, to you be, why. But yeah, it's I know what you mean. Coming up on this episode of Linux User Space, Game Time with Leo, Browser Watches Super Duper with Cinnamon Spice. I see some slacking in the future. Let's hope it isn't flat. I know Leo will give me some style. Hello and welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Dan. And I'm Leo. So Leo, I I know. Um, so we're gonna have a little game time here, I guess. Uh, I know you've been having some some retro game time. We've talked about this before, but it seems like you've changed uh, some platforms a little bit, or gone through a couple of them here through uh, through the Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, a little a little bit of all of it. Um, the the main thing was uh, I think a some episode some months ago <laughs> i mentioned that i have uh the hp stream that we were doing yep. uh that we were using the zorin light version yeah on. I, had, I had tater top and you had uh zorin light on it right yep right right so i i conscripted that one for zorin light so i needed to put something back on it but i didn't want to put batacera back on it which is a fantastic distribution for retro gaming and like basically zero configuration other than dropping ROMs in the right folder, right? But I had an issue where I wanted it to stop being portable. It was great because it was on a laptop. It was all mm-hmm. self-contained. It was all battery-powered. There were two issues. One, brightness didn't work. No, no. So no matter, no matter what you did, you click on the up or down, didn't matter. It was full brightness all the time. That gave the battery maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. I wanted it about 50%, which would have given us, you know, two to three to four hours, depending on what we were doing. So that was bad enough, but it's fine because I mostly kept it plugged in anyway. Right. But the other issue was 
when I wanted to do full screen gaming on a on on the TV, plugging up an HDMI cable did nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Well, that's so, no good because big screen gaming is kind of fun, especially when you're doing it cooperatively. Of course. And uh, I mean, I, I've been uh, messing around with the Switch and I bought the Nintendo online for four bucks or whatever that is. And, uh, you know, playing those retro games on a big screen is just nice. So I'm like, well, Batacera, why can't you do that for me? So right. I gave up. And instead of installing Batacera after I nuked uh, Zoran Light, I went with none other than Ubuntu Mate, right? <laughs> the newest one, Impish. Okay. And everything was going great because what, what do you do? You, you install Ubuntu Mate, you get it updated, you get a couple things installed. And I wanted to go RetroPie because I'm very familiar with it. Batacera is very similar to it. Mm -hmm. And I click on, I have PlayStation 3 uh, wireless controllers, which are fantastic. Yep, They've always worked are, for me very well. Those are pretty popular. And you do the whole song and dance, first connect. You have to plug it in via USB. And then uh, you'll see it in the little Bluetooth window. Yep. You can unplug it, and then you will. Uh, then it will sync. You click the Bluetooth button; it works. Ubuntu Mate did not let me do this when mm. I plugged it in. You got the little tool, uh, the little notification that says, "Hey, this is a new device. Do you want to accept and authorize and trust or whatever it says?" And I said, "Yeah, of course." And then I unplug it and try to try to um, press the Bluetooth button, and no worky. And I'm like, "Okay, well." As maybe I just didn't plug it in long enough. So I plug it back in. And then the trust thing comes up again. That's weird. I already trusted it. Right. Okay. So I trust it again. And then I do the rigmarole again, where it's, you know, I'm plugging it, do the Bluetooth, press the button, see it in the thing. Doesn't work. That's a tiresome work. dance. <laughs> it, it, oh, I mean, it's only one time, so it's fine. But now we're on time three. Yeah. I plug it back in because it didn't work. And then it's like, do you want to trust this? And I'm like, Ubuntu Mate, please. I've already told you. And so I, I'm just testing at this point. So I just unplug it, plug it back in. Do you want to trust this? Uh! Blue so, Bluetooth is so hard it, sometimes. It's not. Well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Linux can be a little finicky in, in general with Linux. I mean, we're getting there, but we're not there yet. But that's the thing, right? Like, it worked fine on Batacera. I didn't even... Uh, I, all you have to do is go to the Batacera Bluetooth menu, plug it in, you know, do the song and dance, and it yeah. works. Ubuntu Mate will not work, just absolutely will not trust the thing, and you're just left in a rut where you can't move. That's too bad. So, okay. So I was like, all right, fine. We'll nuke this bad boy and move over to, I mean, you guessed it, Linux Mint. But I chose uh, XFCE, which, as you will soon find out, was probably not the right choice. <laughs> But obviously, the first thing I did when I got it up was update it and connect my controllers before I sp spent, uh, dude, it takes like four hours to compile RetroPie on this laptop. It takes forever. Wow. Yeah. Tater top. Uh, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even I'm not going to attempt that. No. That's, that's a 24 hour compile, baby. But Not happening. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I test the, the controllers. I plug it in. I'm like, well, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm questioning whether or not these right. controllers even work anymore yeah so, well that's the reason to test another distribution that's for sure right so i plug it in bluetooth sees it i trust it i unplug it i connect or i uh i try to sync it and it works and i'm like well what was all the fuss about hmm. what what was the what would I, I, I don't get it okay anyway so that worked i compiled retropie uh this was late 
And I'm like, all right, I'll just check it in the morning after this thing gets done compiling. Um, and it's good. It's it's it works fine. The right. controllers connect. Uh, I feel like it takes just a couple extra seconds than Batacera does to connect the controllers, but it's still fine. Does it? It's fine. Just press them as you're as you're you know launching emulation station anyway. Right. And by the time you're ready to play, it's ready. So you don't notice it. Right. But that that whole thing just I mean sour sour taste in my mouth. But so I wonder if it's the kernel version. It very well could be kernel. Um, it could also be uh, Blue Z. Yeah, yeah, it could be the could be the yeah Bluetooth stuff version. Yeah, mm-hmm. or right. the combination so thereof. It, right. So it's likely not Ubuntu Mate's fault. It's just that's where all my hate's going right now because that's what I tried, and it's likely just yeah. an Ubuntu proper, you know, just a whole Ubuntu ecosystem fault on Impish. I imagine if I did Mate twenty o four, it'd right. be fine. But, you know, that didn't, yeah. and it's not. So, <laughs> um, all right. So, everything is great. The laptop plays even better than it was playing on Batacera, which is actually really hard to do because Batacera has a lot of tweaks that make games run fantastically. Mm-hmm. But then I, I try. The whole reason that I'm, I'm moving from Batacera, which is to get it connected to my TV. Right. All right. So, this laptop is 13... 13- random random 768 whatever yeah, it, is. Yeah. it was that 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 trash laptop like resolution 720p ish ish yeah exactly <laughs> right oh yeah even uh xfc even tells me what the resolution is it gives me the little squiggly equals where it's like basically 16 by 9 is sort it 16 of, by 9 sort of kind of i don't yeah, know yeah it's, it's it, not it kind yeah. of maths out to 16 by 9 ish <laughs> right so it even it's throwing shade at yeah. that weird resolution right so all right, but I connected up to a TV which is 4K. It's it's not a fancy. It's like a I mean, it's like a 4-year-old 4K bottom shelf whatever. Doesn't matter. But it it works. It's always worked with every computer I've plugged it into. So, I thought it was going to be fine. I think it is fine, but I'm running into issues, the same issues. If you rewind back to the Manjaro episode where I talk about <laughs> being on XFCE and I didn't like it. Yeah, but I was on it and it was fine, but I'm doing dual monitors now, which is really what is the issue. And it was my issue in Manjaro too. Yep. I get into this situation where how do you get num okay, there's two issues. Number one, when I close the lid, stop putting the laptop to sleep. I've unchecked the box, dude. It says plugged in, what to do on lid close. Nothing. Yeah, you you went through a bunch of gyrations to get it to work over there in Manjaro, and you did end up getting you did end up getting it working, I think. But you yeah. you like did a whole bunch of back end behind the scenes stuff above and beyond the the clicking the box, right? Right, right. And there there were literally three places to check the box. Yeah, and I checked the box everywhere, and it still didn't work. So I had to mess with configuration files, and it yep. finally started respecting what I had to say. Yep. Well, now I'm gonna have to go through that same issue on xfce linux mint so i think it's just an xfce issue where it just either a doesn't respect what i'm telling it to do when i close the lid or b it's just broken yeah Ah. so here's a here's an opportunity for you to check out like zubuntu impish release and see if it fixes your monitor thing but then my Bluetooth will be broken. So you could know that uh, XFCE is fixed. But yeah, your Bluetooth is going to be broken. <laughs> so isn't that how it goes, though? Well, I made. Uh, yes, it is. But I made the <laughs> mistake. I went from Ubuntu Mate to Linux Mint XFCE when what I should have done was go from Ubuntu Mate 
to Linux Mint. Mate. Maybe. Yeah. I feel like that would have been the right choice. I did XFCE because I, I foolishly thought I could save 100 megs. Well, I can save 100 megs of RAM, but yeah, uh, yeah dual monitors just basically ain't going to work for me, or it's not going to work in the same way. So, okay, so to the lid close thing, that's weird. Yeah. Maybe I can get past it, hopefully. And the other issue is, I don't know how this works, but get this. I plug it up to the TV. At the beginning, it works. Mm-hmm. Like, you have this, uh, you know, one screen is... 1360 whatever yeah. by whatever and then 4k and that's that's terrible doesn't really work so I, I need to make it work right i need to mirror it sure well there's no real way to do that between these two screens so i'm like all right fine i want to turn off the laptop screen altogether and then i want to enable only the 4k screen mm. but i want to run it at 1080p because running it at 4k i mean come yeah, on your, your, your little teeny laptop's not going to run that yeah yeah, I mean, I, I can set it to 2K scaling or whatever, but it's it's going to be terrible. I mean, scaling is fairly terrible in Linux in general. So, all right. So I'm going to just run it at 1080p. Fine. So I do that, and somehow, somehow, I get both the laptop display and the TV display on the TV. What? The, is, so, so the TV <laughs> one is in the background, and then the laptop one is on the front. So if I hit, like, the, the start key or the, the, the super key, the menu comes up, but it's actually not on the, it's not supposed to be on the TV. It's on the laptop screen that is pasted on TV. I got to just take a picture of this. Yeah, you do. Because it sounds like I'm insane, a little, but I'm yeah, not. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, yeah, and this mm. is why, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, I run one monitor. I mean, yeah. Just get just get those stupid ultra wide seventeen feet long screens where you know you get your 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 chair and you have to like scoot it all the way around to be able right. to see everything on your screen. Like you just need to do that for Linux because man, multi monitors and multi resolutions and XFCE lid close just. Anyway, the games are great. The games are great. Good. That's at least <laughs> something's going right for you. I mean, I was actually thinking about getting a third monitor here. I have two now. Um, got one. Well, you ain't on XFCE, Dan. I am definitely not. Um, although XFCE is not terrible. Like Great Bird no. Dark is not is a, is a nice thing. That's a good addition that they came up with. The the theming, the look and feel, the speed of it yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. But um, man, I I just don't know. The the tweaks and the things yep. to look out for. Uh, maybe that's just an experience thing. I don't know, but like I get, it. yeah, it is a little different. It's not crazy as far as configuration settings, but there's enough there to twist you up. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. If if uh, Linux Mint had a LXQT version, I'd have definitely gone with that because I was looking yeah. for as light as I could get it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because because Batasera is, I mean. It's it's real performance boost is because it doesn't have a desktop. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so you don't use a whole lot of RAM on that. That makes uh, sense. But I am running a desktop because I don't know. Sometimes maybe I do want to do a little web surfing. Or I was going to say like you're that, not always but... gaming. Well, maybe you are. Right. Right. Exactly. Because <laughs> um, uh, even Emulation Station or you know the mm-hmm. whole RetroPie thing has um, Cody built in, so you could do that right. whole thing too. So that's nice. But anyway. Yeah, I, I the moral of the story is I probably should have just gone with Mate on Linux Mint or even just Ubuntu Mate 2004. Um and I'd probably had a way better experience with this, but well, and I think playing just, retro games like 
I don't know, cinnamon, all that. I mean, it is heavier, but it is like, would it really bog down your retro games? Maybe not all of them. Here's one thing I could have told you is that uh, cinnamon would have done the whole one monitor, two screens thing, like where Mm -hmm. I don't want the laptop monitor to be involved in any way. Yeah. Because I did that for years and it worked fantastic. I didn't have to check the box and it was done. And that was it. Well, and and like I know in LXQ, like you can tell which monitor is your primary monitor. And like if you want to disable one, you just there's a button or box or something to disable one if you want to disable one. And so yeah. then the you know, like you could have made the TV monitor your primary monitor and like the panel and all of that stuff would have showed up like it would have on on the laptop before you yeah. turned well, it off. Right. To XFCE's credit, they have all that. It just does not behave in any no, way. This, this would pretend that, like your laptop is gone and like right. this is your only monitor now. Yeah. It, it For some reason, when I said disable the laptop monitor, it was like, oh, you mean paste it on the TV? Got it. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. You wanted that's to not see what that, I mean. didn't you? Yeah, you did. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, n- it's not what I mean, XFCE. Stop this. That is a little, All right. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So the, it's 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 been a fun journey. I've learned a lot about XVCE. I mean, I, I obviously need to learn a little bit more about it uh, to to kind of bend it to my will. I think that's really the the only thing is that I need to learn how to make X, XFCE, you know, behave the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, to the whole new user crowd and the you know one click crowd, that's not going to hack it. That's not going to cut it. Yeah. Because you flip the boxes that you expect to work and they you don't think, work yeah. and then, well, give it up and nuke it, you know. Uh, but I'm I'm a little more stubborn than that. Uh, I'm going to try and choke it into submission yeah, and well, hopefully get it to work. Because, I mean, everything else works great. I, I, even, I even did, like, 4K gaming. I mean, it was, like, what, 480p, but on a 4K screen. And it worked okay, a little stuttery, but it's probably because it was 4K and it was a crappy laptop. But right. Yeah, uh, XFCE. Uh. <laughs> well, you know, a little more experience, time and seat, and maybe you know, keeping the open mind. Uh, you know, maybe things will change a little bit for you there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not ready to nuke it yet. I've put a lot of work into it, so yeah. I'd like to keep it. But um, yeah, just a little paper cuts, man. A little paper cuts will mm, get you. Yep. All right. Uh, next topic here is browser watch so watching out on our browsers uh, we've 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 changed it it was it was mozilla watch and somehow it just kept expanding and expanding to include more than mozilla and more than you know just browser updates and things like that so it's it's very it's very broad now and yeah, so I, a little bit. I don't know maybe we stick with the browser watch thing maybe we don't i don't know but right now it's browser watch cuz we uh we, we we're seeing a lot of it man when i originally wrote it it was mozilla watch but that was because mm-hmm. we only had one topic at the time and uh well now we've expanded so we've got a couple of browsers that we're going to touch on but uh first topic um is firefox relay and so this is a simple service that will auto generate email aliases um, you know, they're simple little ring or random string. Wow. Uh, that words are hard. Uh, random string of letters and numbers, um, and at mozmail.com. So little, little random email generation so that 
you can keep the spam at bay and you know the you know the sales nonsense you know going someplace and you can discard that you know discard your email address essentially these are not ones i don't think that you would like to give to your friends <laughs> no because no, the, no. the the email address is quite literally the same as like a uuid for a disk it's just 16 yeah. characters long random lowercase letters and numbers at mosmail.com so this though is for when you want to um, essentially give an email address to someone or some company that you don't know or don't trust, and you want that to forward on to your real email, yep. you know, like contact at lizinkteasersplace.show, you know? Yeah, yeah. But we don't, we, we don't want to, to continually get spam from a particular company or something like that, so we will create one of these uh, Firefox Relay email aliases for free. and sign up with the relay email and the moment the moment we decide we want to cut ties with this company we don't want any more of their newsletters their spams or anything and i don't want to have to go through unsubscribe you flick a switch and that alias is gone yep poof you can delete it or you can disable it so disabling it allows you to re-enable it at a later date but i mean if you're never going to use that again delete the thing right so this was something that was created back uh, over a little bit over a year ago, and I think to to just not much fanfare. It just kind of flew under the radar. Uh, I think I think people noticed it, but well, why do I want email aliases? Uh, why, yeah. why why is any of this? But it's it's for your privacy. It's for your security. It's for your just so you don't get inundated with a bunch of emails that you don't want from a service that you'd never needed in the first place, but you decided you wanted to sign up. Yeah, and I guess some of it is is not necessarily spam, I guess, per se, but it's more junk, right? So just, you know, you'll get a lot of advertisement things about sales and, you know, buy my stuff. I got a new thing, you know, buy my stuff. And that gets annoying for sure. So having having these random things that you can cut off at any time um, probably aren't a, Aren't a terrible deal, but and and we've all gone to websites and stuff that that want your email so you can continue and Ugh. that's it. This is the perfect use case for that. I mean, like because it can be gone tomorrow or in or in a minute if yeah. if you want, right? So just this will just shut up that dialogue so we can get that out of the way, right? Yeah, absolutely. So so there's some restrictions on on Firefox Relay, the free version and this is this is where we're going with this as a free version. Yep. It didn't used to be, but now there's a free there, there was always a free version, but we'll get to the we'll get to the <laughs> other stuff. Yep. So the free version has a couple of restrictions. One of uh one of them is you only get 5 aliases at a time. As long as you delete the fifth one, you can always generate a new one. So just only 5 total. Um, but you can have more than that over the lifetime, just only five at a time. Right. The other restriction is 150 kilobytes of an attachment. That's the limit. Your your email can be 150 KB. That's it. The The downside of this, though, is if you're expecting larger email, it just fails. Yeah, so you just, never get it. You just never go. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope your forget password request isn't 151 kilobytes because you'll never get it. <laughs> So you got to be careful about that. There are some restrictions, but it's free. So it it gets the job done. Right. Don't try and get out there and start using this thing for, you know, huge file transfers or anything like that. It doesn't work that way, but it does 
put that smoke screen in front of you so that you can do normal email things without having to expose yep. yourself, yep. your your real email address. And this gives you that, you just shut that valve off whenever you decide that you don't want it anymore. Yeah. Yep. So here's the thing. Here's why it's coming up now, even though Relay has been around for more than a year. There is a premium version now. Ooh. So... If you've followed this at all, you've noticed people complaining about, ah, oh, five is not enough. Oh, man, if I could just pay some money and I could get more or something like that. Well, ask and ye shall receive. They're betaing the premium Firefox Relay, which is a dollar a month. And that was another thing that, that was said a lot mm -hmm. in the forums and everywhere else where it was like, well, I don't want to pay a lot of money for this. I mean, it's, well, it's just a simple service. dollar a month isn't a lot of money, so that's kind of good. Right. Yeah, and, and it's not like Firefox or Mozilla stores your email, so it's right. not like they need to pay storage. They need to pay bandwidth and the service to proxy stuff. Yeah. That's basically it. So you need to hold on to a it dollar... for a little bit so they can relay it. So, I mean, you need a little right. bit of storage, right? Right, right. So more like cash than, right. than actual storage. So you get uh, you get that for a dollar a month. You get unlimited aliases. You're still bound by the 150 KB limit because, again... They don't store, they just, they cache and move, and that's it. Yep. So unlimited aliases, though, so you can have a hundred, or a thousand, or a million. But there's one even better. You can get your own MozMail subdomain. Ooh. So if we paid the dollar, we could get show at linuxuserspace.mozmail.com. Don't email that, doesn't exist. Right. But... <laughs> but, you know, for the dollar, we could get that. And well, that's, that's the fancy. cool thing. Yeah. You have that domain name, linuxuserspace.mozmail.com, and then you can put whatever you want to on the left-hand side of the at sign. So, you know, I've got show, or we could have Leo and Dan, or, you know, any, you know, if anybody else comes on the show, we could give them a temporary email address for people to send their hate mail to, <laughs> because everybody loves hate mail. Yeah, don't and, at me, bro. <laughs> right. And then, you could, and then you could just, whenever you're like, I'm tired of getting hate mail. You could just turn it off. Mm -hmm. Just yep. turn it off, and you'll you'll never hear another piece of hate mail ever again on that particular uh, address. So, I mean, that is one way. So, of course, because you're putting your name in the domain, it kind of takes away a little bit of that privacy because you're identifying yourself somehow. But, but here's the use case. Here's where I can see a dollar stretching real far. Okay. You don't want Gmail or Yahoo Mail or Hotmail or any of those other big boys. You want your own email service somewhere, right? And you're either self-hosting it or you're paying someone to do it for you. And you only get, so let's say you're paying for it and you only get one right. email address. This is the way that for a dollar, you can stretch that one email address into unlimited email addresses. Which is cool. So if I wanted, uh, you know, leochavez.mozmail.com, I could have Leo. I could have admin. And, and, you know, assuming I only have one physical inbox, or digital, whatever, um, I could have Leo and I could have uh, admin. I could have webmaster. Right. I could have, you know, and just on and on, just whatever the list. But it all goes into that one, one inbox and you can sort it by the forward. Right. That you, can you can essentially tag it yep. and have your mail sorted that way. Of course, you only get one inbox because that's what you're paying for or whatever. But with that extra dollar, you can stretch that one inbox into way more than one inbox. So that's kind of cool. And I think, I mean, for a dollar, I mean, the dollar is pretty bad. cheap to to keep yourself anonymous, uh, at least as far as email. So that's that's kind of neat. 
and to be able to to roll through them, you know, as you as you want and have as many as you want. I mean, that is not that expensive, I don't feel like. Yep. And I'm I'm a big I'm a big sucker for security and privacy. Right. So not to be outdone. Yep. Here's the thing. This, this I I feel like I've heard about, you know, the the relay thing before. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> DuckDuckGo, not to be outdone, back in July, they started a similar service. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it's duck.com and you get your own uh, you know, like uh, for example, Leo at duck.com or something like that. Yep. So they also do the um, the auto-generated UUID looking email will, addresses yep. as well. But the perk here, the perk for DuckDuckGo is that you can also get a static relay, which is, you know, in my case, Leo at duck.com. Doesn't exist. I'm waiting in line. I'm not. I mean, you if you have an invite code. If, I mean, oh, if right. somebody has the duck invite email alias invite code, hey, I, I can I can give you early access to an episode or something for you know in exchange for a, a code. But uh, <laughs> we, 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 I'm sure we could find something to exchange. Well, yeah, of course, of course, right? So, uh, I mean, I can't get that. I I assume that's already gone. But um, but that's the deal, right? So you get one static one that you can keep. And it has your name on it, and it's still a relay. But here's the reason why you want it. You you get you get that one, the, the right. your name at duck.com. But here's the reason why you actually want DuckDuckGo instead of relay. If relay didn't do it for you and you're uh your privacy wonk, then they got you here. They will, during the proxy, during that relay, they will strip out all of the trackers. Ooh, that's so beautiful. Mm, 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 mm. I remember when I first learned about the tracking images, the one pixel by one pixel images that these companies will put into an email that have all kinds of JavaScript behind them that will cookie you, that will track you. They know when you opened it, how many got opened, you know, how long. They know where your mouse was. They know if you highlighted stuff. They know which links you clicked. They know where you entered, how you exited, how long you spent (sighs) looking at. There's a bunch of junk. Yep inside these little one pixel by one pixel tracking images that are baked into all of this stuff. And DuckDuckGo, their relay service, will strip that out. That's beautiful. Mm. Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. So so one thing we didn't mention about both of these services is there is a browser extension. Uh, oh, yes. That, that you can add. Um, obviously the Mozilla one, you add it Firefox, right? And, and so the DuckDuckGo one, they also have a browser extension that you can add to be able to manage your, your email alias stuff, if you will. Yeah. Which is cool. It's right there in your browser. Absolutely. So, uh, the, the, so the, the real perk about that, right, is that if you want to do like one alias per service. Yep. The extension makes that super easy because you can just generate a new one right there, right then and there, pop that right into the email, um, in, into the email spot, and then just move along, and it'll it'll keep track. The extension will keep track yep. of it for you all of the time. Otherwise, I could see that could be a nightmare. You'd have to keep track of it somehow, somewhere. I don't know. 
Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So the the good thing about the Firefox one is that if you have the extension and you have um, syncing and you have an account right. and all that stuff, it all ties in together. So it's actually very, very nice, you know, little ecosystem style yep. where um, your extensions will propagate between browsers. Yep. Like, you know, different computers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, you install Firefox somewhere else, sign in, it, your extensions will pop over here too and mm. get, get yourself all installed. It is kind of handy. Yep. So I get it. I get it. All the Firefox naysayers are like, oh, well, they don't have PWAs. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Because I think they're doing a lot of good work outside of just the browser itself creating an ecosystem that allows more privacy than anybody else. Mm -hmm. I know that Vivaldi does they do. privacy. They do. But they don't do the email sync. They don't do the Facebook container. They don't do uh, the multi-account container, at least not the way that Firefox does. So... You know, yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of value add in Firefox. Don't worry. I'm going to praise Vivaldi here in a minute, but uh, not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love me some Firefox. So uh, that's just one thing I think that uh, kind of gives Firefox the edge over some of the other browsers because there's more of an ecosystem there than, uh, than a lot of the others. So. Yes. All this email aliasing. So here's, here's the real actual rundown. So we've been talking about it for a little bit, but here's why you actually want it. Here it is in a concise little bit that you can cut out of the MP3 and share <laughs> is there are three things that you get. This is why you want them. ABC. Here's why you want it. Burner accounts. This is when you don't care about the service or you just want to take a peek at something without any kind of commitment. As Dan mentioned, those email, those, those websites that are just like, Hey, give me your email to continue. <laughs> no, I'm going to give you an alias. So Use the alias. And then when you're done with that website, delete it. Yep. Job gone. done. Mm -hmm. No spam because that's what they do. And the, they will inevitably sell your email addresses in batches of a thousand to advertising companies. And those advertising companies will spam you. And the unsubscribe button basically just says, yes, subscribe me to more. Yeah. Give me that's, more. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So burner accounts. These aliases are fantastic for that. Now, the other, keep it private. People know your email. Dan knows my email. Yep. Right? But so do advertisers. Signing up with your real email address helps these advertising companies and everybody else, Google included, connect the dots. The aliases help fix that. Now you're no longer this thing that you log in with every, t every single time. You're now a random string of numbers and letters. There's nothing to connect to your real email account. And that is worth its weight in gold. And yeah. you get five free. So, you know, yeah. whatever. And then the third bit, security, my favorite. And here's the thing, right? There are so many services where you don't have a username. Yep. You have your email address. Your username is your email address for a lot of websites. And by using these aliases, you can disconnect that. And when you inevitably end up in a stupid CSV sheet with your email address next to your password, this will affect you much less because the email that shows up in that CSV is a random string of letters and numbers which they cannot tie to your real account and then go and log in to 99 other services yep. because, come on, let's be real. We've talked about Bitwarden a lot. We've talked about uh, dealing with multiple passwords. We've talked about how easy it can be and everything else. But can you really 
look at your computer right now and tell me that every single password on every single account is different? Yeah, probably not. not. No, they're not. Okay, some of you, some of you are like, "Oh, are you kidding, Leo?" They are every single one of them. I use Bitwarden religiously. You're not who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the other folks that use the same email address and the same password on everything. Yep. And an extension is all you need to fix that and prevent yourself from getting waylaid by somebody that scraped a crappy website that had zero security and now they're able to log into your email address and change every single one of your passwords on every single one of your services because that's how you change passwords. Right. So when when you read about, you know, that service that on Have I Been Pwned or wherever you read about yeah. those things. That's um, it. Or, you know, or a website, that sort of thing. You can go in there and, well, change it to a different random email address if you want now with this service. So yep. that that list that they're generating rainbow tables out of, uh, you know, that's gone. Like it's nuked from orbit kind of thing. And oh, yeah. you didn't have to like tell all your friends that you, you went from, you know, Hotmail over to Yahoo or something. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. So this this was all just a topic that was near and dear to my heart because it it it, mm-hmm. it increases your privacy and security on the Internet. And for anything, for any company that goes the extra mile and does things like that, they're going to win my support. Mm-hmm. They're going to win. I like both of these. These these are both great options. They're they're fantastic. the 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 coolest thing about this is that these two companies need to get married. In, in a way, I think they do. I mean, they're they're, <laughs> they're providing some of the same things a little bit, and they are. Uh, they got some overlap, and uh, they're both pretty great. If we put them together, we'd have like you know peanut butter and jelly or something like that, right? Mm. I mean, that sounds mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, and, and then Brave needs to get in on this. All right, so mm-hmm. DuckDuckGo oh, yeah. needs to do all the things that they're doing, and then they need to use Brave Search for yep. their search, and then Mozilla needs to integrate in DuckDuckGo using Brave Search in by default so that all of this stuff just co-mingles and behaves right yep. together. And when when we do that, I think we end up having a security and privacy conscious alternative to all of the other big boys. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Too good. I like it. Too good. So I I like both. I don't care which email relay you go with. Pick one. Yeah, they're they're both good. No matter which one you choose, it's gonna be good. Yep. And you're you're gonna have way less spam in your inbox after this. If you've been on the edge, uh we're gonna take it a little further um with uh this next one. So Edge um did something that's a little not cool here. Um, mm. Kind of the opposite of where we were with the last topic. Um, Edge Edge now has this buy now, pay later add-on thingy, but it's built in, which is gross. So, so Leo Leo found this, um, uh, yeah, this, and found that it's it's like totally built in, and we've got a link right to the Microsoft page. Uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a joke. It's not. I thought a joke. it was fake. I thought it was fake news and people were pulling my chain and I saw, okay, so, so here's, here's what basically happens with this particular thing. So you go to Amazon or wherever it is you go to buy things and then you go buy things and out pops 
a little thing that says, hey, man, guess what? You can break this up into four easy payments of $100. And no no big deal. Easy peasy. Mm. You know, interest free. But they don't tell you they're going to charge you $4. So, okay, uh, let me. I'll get to that in a sec. This is not an add-on. This is baked into the browser. As in, you cannot turn it off. As in... You cannot go to flags, colon, whatever Chromium Jazz does to go. To, it doesn't turn off. It is Gross. just on. And every time you go to pay for something, this little zip thing is going to pop out and it's going to say, hey, you can break this up into four easy payments, man. Because, uh, you know, there you go. You it, make it easy on your on your checkbook so you can afford it better. Guys, we have plenty of ways to get into debt. We don't need to add more. But Microsoft decided we did, so we did. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, the Zip people are probably paying Microsoft a dollar out of the four that they're charging you, so they could make this pop up in your face, kind of thing, right? And, probably so. Yeah, probably. probably so. So, so right. So on. So so on top of that, whatever whatever Zip is paying or Microsoft, I don't know who's paying who to get this in there, but. On top of every purchase. What's gross about this is that in the initial announcement on, what is that website? Techcommunity.microsoft.com. Yep. In the initial announcement, no mention of the $4 that you're no, being not. charged to split this up. And as well, no mention uh, in any of the news articles that I saw about this. Zero mention about this. There is an additional $4 charge. So if you're buying something, you know, for 50 bucks mm -hmm. and you're like, you know what? I do want to break that up into $13 installments or something like that, right? Maybe I do. Well, guess what? Four extra bucks. So this is something that is not made readily apparent. You have to see that in the fine print. And if you don't notice because taxes and things. Right. There's an extra four dollars on there. You're just whoop, right, four extra bucks on top of the thing that you already paid for, on top of the taxes that you already paid, or those in the UK on top of the uh, on top of the VAT. No, here's the thing. Like I don't think things. this is going to go live in the UK very soon because they will be crushed by the consumer protections they have over there. They, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Europe is is much better on these things than we are here in the United States. Yep. Yep, one more thing they get to gloat on us about, but yep. uh, you know what? You know what? It's fine. It's fine. I'll I'll take this one. Uh, I'll just yell at everybody else here in the states. Well, Please don't do this. Watch out don't. for this stuff. It's gonna pop up in your face, and you're gonna see it, and you're gonna be tempted. But no, don't do that. What 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 makes it all the worse is that Edge is the default browser in Windows, mm -hmm. and people just use the default because tyranny the default, and nobody wants to go out and download Firefox or Chrome or anything else. And they're just going to use Edge and they're going to get this slapped in their face all every time they make a purchase. And, ugh. But not just but, default in Windows. I mean, Edge is, is becoming more popular in the enterprise realm as just the default enterprise browser for, you know, I mean, good or bad. I mean, it is happening. So you got to watch yeah. out for that, too. And, uh, you know, all those people shopping on their lunch hour. Uh, now, now they get to uh, you know break up their payments for four dollars. Yeah, yep, yep. So, I mean, I get it. We we've talked positively about Edge multiple times it's on this show. Been pretty because good. 
Yeah, because of the fact that you know it it works well with Office three six five or you know on live does. or whatever and, whatever and it is. You like your PWAs? They got them too. Baked right in, buddy. Uh-huh. It's so easy to get them going. I mean, to be quite honest with you, I do them on Windows through Edge. I do them on Linux through Edge, but this just tastes so sour. Yeah, I don't buy. I don't buy through Edge. I don't do that. But I don't either. But still, the the fact that this is just baked in to the browser now makes me cringe. Is, I want to be able to turn it off. Ah, buddy, if you could turn it off, it would be fine. Like so. All of the things about Firefox, everybody's like, oh, there's ads in the browser. There's ads in the thing and this and that. There's ads all over. You can turn them off. Right. Like, it's a, it's like one click for 90% of the ads that you see. Yeah. One yeah. click. You don't even have to dive into the deep settings sometimes to, to find those things. They're just a click nope. away. Right there on the front page. But mm-hmm. this, you cannot turn it off. You did not install it. It's not an extension. You can't remove it. It's just there. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. Great. But it makes me wonder, right? I mean, because we just got off talking about security and privacy, and I think Dan knows at this point, he's like, please shut up. But, but. No, I got my tinfoil <laughs> hat on. I mean, it's, it's all good, right? You can see it up Ooh. there. <laughs> yes. But it makes me wonder. You don't have to actually make a purchase for Zip to infiltrate your browser you're gonna start tracking that for you at least know that there's something up there for you to buy man so it it does make me wonder how much information is edge sharing through the zip api that they have created to allow this multi-payment thing they've got to know who you're shopping at and how much you spend I, I yeah. doubt it's all on your computer that's doing all the calculation on that stuff to to know that that's a, you know, buy now button. You know, there's there's no way that it's it's doing that on your machine. It's doing that someplace in the cloud. Right. Exactly. So Zip is getting some information about you even before you actually make the purchase. Right. E- whether or not you use Zip at all. To to give you the offer. Hey, I see that you're making $500 purchase. If we broke that up into four different installments, that would be $125 a month. Well, even like, if it doesn't break it down to knowing you, it's going to have some other data about y- you. Like, we know that, you know, a bunch of people in Leo's area are looking at this sort of thing, right? And so that, that advertising data stuff is tempting for companies to to sell that and oftentimes that's how things end up getting compromised exactly so i mm, mm, just another vector for everything purchase wise about you to be shared with another company yeah please no and i don't like it i don't like it so just if if you had one reason to hate edge well now you got two (laughs) yeah so not not great not great, but you know, my, the, the only saving grace about this whole particular issue is that if you go to the link in the show notes, actually, please do, because it's hilarious. Go look at the comments. I could not, through the first five pages of comments, <laughs> find anybody, there were like 12 pages, anybody saying, oh, this is a great feature. Yeah. Thanks, Microsoft. What a good idea. <laughs> everybody was like please don't do this please don't ruin the browser the browser is fine you don't have to add this kind of thing and then you know the whole thing that everybody does with firefox where it's like focus on these things instead so yeah i thought that was a little ironic but either way 
Well, yeah. Uh, that 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 it was good for a laugh. So you know, uh, if if you feel the same way I do about this edge thing, uh, go do. click on that link, and at least you can chuckle a little bit about nobody wants this. Nobody wants it. Okay, Leo, this next one's a toughie for me. Um, yep. This 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 pulls on my feels. Yeah, especially for me, because I love me this type of package. I do too. So we're talking about flat packs, and there there was a recent blog post. Um, and it says flat pack is not the future, and uh, I don't know. This this one hits me hard. Why? Why does it hit you hard? Because I like flat packs. I think flat packs are great. I and but I like. I'm not opposed to any other you know universal package uh, tool. Um, I like snaps. Um, app images are fine. I'll I'll take my applications any way I can get them. I really probably. I'm going to look for something in the repo first. And if I don't find it there, um, I'm, I'm a little torn probably whether I'm going to pick a flat pack or uh, a snap. I generally like you look for which one is going to be the primary supported thing. And then if I have to make up my own mind, I'm, I'm probably am going to go flat pack because I think I've just had a better experience there. Um, although. There's a minor annoyance that is not related to any of this blog post at all, but I, I dislike the fact that flat packs don't automatically update. Um, but in a way, that's kind of good because sometimes that can bite you. So I, I get I get both sides. So, but anyway, that's mm. that's neither here nor there. This article says flat packs not the future, um, and it goes on to talk about some of the some of the things that have maybe even a little old and crusty and possibly fixed or just handled in a different way and it's 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 like it's almost like some laser focus on some tiny little paper cut issues and well we shouldn't use it because we have a little paper cut yeah so there's a there's actually a lot of that so there this is by the way i'm sure you've seen the article by now we posted it in 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 pretty much all of the channels this is uh nicholas fraser's uh or or he goes by ludocode yeah um, his flat pack is not the future article on his website, ludicode.com. So he goes over a few different things. There, there are some stuff that, that I, I will readily admit that I don't understand. So I really can't come back with, um, you know, any, any kind of real rebuttal to it. So I won't, I mean, those points will stand, but like size. The opening, and, and this is, I think, why I took issue with it in the first place, is that the opening salvo after the, you know, here's what this article is about, here's right. what, what I'm talking about, it's fixable, not fixable, whatever. The first thing he says is he talks about size of a flat pack. And I know that this has been a sore spot for flat packs more than snaps for pretty much the inception from, since the inception of flat packs. But he picks a, and I know he picked it for the size. I know he picked KCAL mm-hmm. because. It should be a tiny little app, right? It's a calculator. Right, exactly. And that was his point, right? Shouldn't this be a small thing? How big should it be? And I mean, I would guess no less than 10 meg, but uh, I mean, it, it's proven. So he talks about. Um, how big are these runtimes that have to get downloaded right. with Cal- KCalc and everything? And so, yes, this situation only ever happens if you have one 
Flatpak on your system. So if, if you installed zero Flatpaks and then you go install KCalc, you do have to pull down a bunch of stuff. Sure. You have to pull down OpenGL drivers. You have to pull down VAAPI uh, um, drivers. You have to pick up OpenH264 codecs, a bunch of just weird stuff. And probably that... some theming things. and Right. You know, because you're, you're bringing in some cute theming and 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 you know windows and i don't know like a whole bunch of stuff like that right i mean you got to draw the thing right. on, the, on the on the page if you will and it's not the idea is it runs in user land so it's not pulling the stuff in theory too much from your your system itself so it's got to bring all those things in with it right and i promise i don't disagree with everything he says but uh just bear with me so far sure. um all right so this scenario that he's describing in the article is again for if you have just installed Flatpak and you don't have any Flatpaks right. whatsoever, he goes on to say that it's about 900 megabytes to download this thing. I don't know if it's quite 900 megabytes, I, but but I didn't test it to be sure. So I'm just going to take that at face value. But he makes it sound like if you download KCalc on any machine, anywhere, anytime, in any situation, it's going to pull down 900 megabytes of random files spray them on your computer, and then you get a calculator. But it's not true. KCalc itself is only 4.4 megabytes. He even goes on to admit that right. that's the size of the package. So, uh, but, like, some of it is is a little, I'll, I'll disagree with a little bit, because even if you pull down a traditional package, um, you're, oh, here you go. you're going to have some dependencies that come with it. So when right. you start adding up these things... Um, I mean, we're we just going to add up the package because like it's, you know, we got to, we got to compare some apples to apples, not apples and oranges or bananas right. or whatever other fruit you want to pick. Right. So, I mean, I, I feel like some of that is, is discounted and not, not taken into account here. Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. I did not even see it from that angle, but that, that's a very good point because there's a lot of libraries that you need for KCAL to actually run. Well, yeah. So, so let's say you're you're running a a, a GNOME desktop, which is GTK exactly based, where I was going with this, right? Yep. And so you're going to pull in a bunch of cute libraries and things that that, that would exist on Plasma, maybe, but not going to exist on your GNOME desktop. And yeah. and so you're pulling in all those. Well, the Flatpak brings all of that stuff, regardless of the the system you're running, whether you're running Plasma or GNOME. It's going to bring in the things it needs anyway and and keep it in right. user land not use the system stuff right so i feel like that set the tone of the article for me where yeah it, it's a very big and very stark appeal to emotion right off of the bat scaring you with these large 900 megabyte numbers my storage and, leo my storage but it but it <laughs> makes it seem like every flat pack you download is going to be a gig yeah every one of them yeah so you get you get 20 flat packs and you got 20 gig Full up. Right. And but that's just absolutely not the case. No. I mean the next KDE application that you download may very well just be the application by itself using the same runtimes that you've already downloaded. So your your diff is like twelve megs. But he also you know? made it sound like you're bringing down the whole plasma desktop along with the, the K calc. And you're not doing that either. Right. So right. So that this is the tone. That I think was set, and this is kind of the way that uh, the the rest of when I read through it, the rest it of it kind of resonated with me. Yep. So 
He then goes on to say that um, runtimes don't share. He questions how much is how much can actually be deduplicated, right? So the idea with this is that if you download this whole KDE platform runtime, will it actually be used? And will it? Uh, will there be? So if you get a new version of that particular runtime, is it actually deduplicated? And it is. So here's the deal. He insinuates that after you download a few apps, it's going to be tens of gigs. So to, to put that in the context, he's saying it's going to be like 30, 40, 50, 60 gigs of stuff just so you can run a few Flatpak apps. And that's not true. It's not an Xbox game here, guys. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> so we had uh, Will Thompson, WJJT, of the Endless OS project. Mm -hmm. Yep. He answered the question. Yeah, very well, he said, too. Yeah, I loved it. He said, you can just use DU, the disk usage analyzer in the command line, to tell you because it deals with the deduplication of all of this stuff for you because it's just baked into the app. So Will Thompson goes out and tells us that he has 163 Flatpak applications and 18 separate runtimes. Wow, That's like all of Flat that's, Flathub. That, yeah, okay? I know. It's like a whole archive right there. Wowie. That's like all of it. I don't... Uh, are there even? It's I so, don't know. Well, Endless <laughs> OS, is, it comes with all the stuff like installed, It's right? all Flatpak. Yeah. That's the whole point of Endless. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so he does all of this, and he comes out with a grand total of not 80 gigs, eight. Oh, eight. Eight That's like most gigs. distributions when you install them. Seriously. And I mean, don't worry, I get into that too. So <laughs> eight, 163, so if you had any question about whether deduplication works, whether those runtimes are reused, whether or not you're going to end up downloading the same runtime over and over, you won't. Eight gigs That's 163 like flat pack apps 18 run the runtimes are the huge ones and eight gigs i do not that doesn't seem like a big deal to me even tater top has twice that right the, i mean <laughs> yes <laughs> he he's correct if you start from a clean slate you install kcalc yes it's going to be large right. but Every flat pack after that is going to be smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller because you already have the underlying stuff. Well, okay. that's like so saying like I had an empty hard drive and um, I wanted to install KCalc, so I had to install a distribution. So, you know, oh, no. right? That's 15 so gigs, Dan. That's 15, 15 gigs. gigs I, had to, I had to install 15 gigs to get my, my calculator. Oh, wait, no, I had to install a distribution. You just need to use Arch in the i3 window manager, and you could cut that down to like 700 I mean, megs, I, I, dude. Maybe I could run it in a frame buffer or something somewhere <laughs> without any desktop environment. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> so he's got a section that says, disk space is cheap. Obviously tongue-in-cheek. So in the show notes, it'll say disk space with the little brackets, not cheap. Um, because he's, he's making the opposite claim there. He's saying that disk space is not cheap. So he makes this claim that most laptops are coming with 120 gig SSDs. That's not true. Uh, I mean, that's a small. Yes. That's a small drive. If if you're spending three hundred dollars or less on your laptop, okay, then yes, your SSD might be that small. It may not even be SSD. It might be eMMC. It, mm -hmm. It's tiny and slow and not great. Uh, yes, he is correct there. But he does not expand on that. Not even Mac will jerk you around like that anymore. 
Their smallest drive in their crappiest laptop is 256. Yes, it's still small. Yes, right. it could be bigger. Also, it's Mac. So, <laughs> yeah, right. You got me there. <laughs> but for the same price, you can get the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the framework pewter. Mm-hmm. For yep, uh, you know, with laptop with yep. with with five twelve gig SSD for about the same price as you can for a MacBook or a MacBook Air, right? So which is pretty good. We're we're targeting the super duper budget area here with these hundred twenty gig SSDs. That's just not the norm. Two fifty six is pretty much the bottom of the barrel anymore. If you're buying a laptop and actually caring about what you're buying, so well, and honestly, eh. I mean, what are you looking at uh, if you went and bought just a 256 SS, you have 256 gig SSD, probably SATA. Um, if you just bought one of those, I mean, what is that, like 40 bucks? Yeah. Well, yeah, it, and, it's and pretty exactly. Cheap, so, right? so, so, so to further the point, Flatpak is Linux only. Oh, and right. Yeah. Most of us Linux folks, I mean, we were tinkerers at heart. So I don't think it's swapping really that difficult to swap out of heart. But but I know I'm doing the same thing he's doing, uh, you know, a small segment of the people that will upgrade their hard drive. I get no, it. I'm just I thinking if, even if you bought a secondhand one, right? So let's say you went to Joe's refurbisher um, and you bought yourself the ThinkPad and they took, uh, you know, an, an SSD that they bought off off the shelf for 40 bucks. I mean, sure, they're going to mark it up a little bit, but like at $40, there isn't that far to go with it, right? I mean, it's it's pretty yeah. low to begin with. So, I mean, so buying a secondhand refurbished machine, um, probably going to come with something at least two fifty six or bigger, like you said. And so that's yeah. that's pretty small. Yeah, exactly. So, but even if let's let's take it at face value, let's say that it's true. Let's go with the hundred and twenty gig SSD. Mm-hmm. You still have like a hundred gigs free. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so. Okay, let, let's go with what Will established. Eight gigs of 100 and whatever it was, flat packs, and 15 gigs for the OS, because that's pretty typical, I'd say, for like an Ubuntu installer or Linux Mint installer, something like that. Yeah. I mean, okay. That's a, that's, a, yes. that's a kind of a big install, honestly. Right. I mean, those of you running Arch and Void are like, I mean, not me. <laughs> but, but so let's just say, and let's even round up, 25 gigs, and let's say, that you have my HP stream over there with a 64 gigabyte eMMC. You still have more than half of your storage to fill up with browser cache because mm-hmm. that's where your storage is going to go. I mean, probably there's plenty of room. What what are you storing? Are you ripping Blu-rays <laughs> onto your hard drive? Because <laughs> wow. That's a lot of storage for someone that absolutely cares nothing about computers and ends up with a 120 gig SSD. Uh, Leo, you're not you're not ripping 4K Blu-ray discs onto your stream HP stream laptop. I'm sorry. I'm not. Not with that <laughs> Celeron. I'm not. No, you're not. But but so I I feel like I mean it's just a theme in this particular article that just you're going over the top. It, it sets man, a tone. Trying right? to make these points and it. Yeah, and I really feel like it detracts from what you're trying to say. You're trying to say some very important things that Flatpak should be better on these things. And I agree with you, man. But the way that you're putting them out there really rubs me the Mm -hmm. wrong way and makes it seem like nobody knows anything. And that's why Flatpak is bad. And it just it it, it's not that 
Yep. So he does he does go on to say, shouldn't storage be shrinking? So he's talking about apps in general, and after you refactor their code, and after you you update them and make them better and things like that, shouldn't the code base shrink? And yes, he's right about that. But Flatpak doesn't do that. That's not what Flatpak is trying to do. So nice. levying that particular argument against Flatpak is beside the point. That's to the application so, developer. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, yes. Runtimes are going to be big. That's how Flatpak works. But anyway, so speaking of beside uh, the point, we're, we're looking at, uh, he said, uh, Snap, uh, Flatpak and Snap have slowed down that progress in the name of, of, of advancement. And I mean, that, that's, that's absolutely true. I guess so, but, yeah. But that's kind of the point. Like, if you're trying to make a change in the way that you do something, there's going to be collateral damage. And in this case, the collateral damage is storage space. Mm -hmm. and Contrary to what he's saying, storage is cheaper. My my 256 gig SSD that I paid $100 for is not $100 anymore. And oh, they're no. faster now. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Anyway, so um, then he brings up memory usage and startup time, which, okay, let's start with memory usage first. Well, here's here's where I think the, and, and I, I mentioned, I'll, I'll reference this again later, but I mentioned this in, in Telegram. and. Here's where I think the article goes on a bit of an ADD tangent um, because he, he, he goes back and forth. Now, now he starts talking a little more about snaps um, and flat packs and sort of mixes them together a little bit. I, I get his points, right? But which thing are we talking about, I guess, yeah. is, is some of my question. But go ahead. Yeah. Oh, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the memory usage thing. Yep. That's good. I mean, he he talks about how some some rinky dink Chromebooks have only one or two gigs of RAM. Some mid grade machines have four gigs, and Windows has forced this eight gig standard now. So speaking of the, you can't focus on something. I can't really figure out what he's really trying to accomplish with this. But I did the math because I ran a bunch of apps, and mm -hmm. I mean, like, didn't just cool. turn them on actually ran them. So I had Caden Live um, with with uh, our video, our edit in it. I had Sync Thing going, syncing with you, Dan. I had OBS yep. going with video on at the time. I had Telegram. I had Discord. I had Edge, albeit I'll, I'll concede, Edge was nothing. It just turned it on. Firefox with at least a dozen tabs and Plex Amp playing music. That's a lot of stuff, now, Leo. Firefox, Edge, and OBS are not Flatpak, so okay, points there. But Firefox is using the lion's share of RAM at a gig and a half. That leaves two and a half gigs for Edge and OBS, and then all of the other Flatpaks. Is two and a half gigs really unreasonable when you're talking about apps that are using Electron in the back end, yeah, that's that are full-blown browsers, that are just... It, it's not I've, the applications. It's the modern web that is using all of your RAM. Every, every one of these things are like web apps, except for Caden Live. And, right. Well, actually, I was going to say PlexAmp, but no, PlexAmp is a web app too. It's a web app, so, yeah. Caden <laughs> Live and Sync Thing, okay, are, Man, are literally right. the only things that are just regular apps. And I'm, I'm using four gigs of RAM. That's, that's reasonable for running that workload. Sure. And most of that is flat pack. So I, I don't know what he's after with the memory usage. I don't thing. either. It, but then he goes on to talk about startup time. Right. Which is not even a flat pack issue. I didn't think so. I didn't think so either. I didn't know where this came from. And that's where 
even he admits it not it's not a flat pack issue. He fully switches yeah. gears onto Snap. But we hadn't talked about that, like all article almost. It's it's not the topic of the article. But, so he he talks about Snap and how K Calc in Snap, which what? We had K-Calc on Flatpak before, but now it's in Snap. So K-Calc takes seven seconds on cold boot and a uh, cold start and on a warm start. So I, I honestly, that's I believe the cold like, that's start That's a whole thing. other thing. That's a different topic. Right. And they've solved some of that stuff, um, and but it's not for every application. And so right. we got onto a tangent that's kind of been solved and is moot anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I get, I get the cold start. I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. It probably could take sec- seven seconds to bring that up. But on the warm start, I don't believe you. I do not believe. I didn't test it, but but I don't believe you because d- I had chromium, chromium right. starting in less than three seconds on a warm start. Yes. Come on. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. And so that was the one that that you the test you did with chromium. I remember when you did that. You you brought it down from like. I want to say is eight seconds on cold start. Eight seconds on the cold start, yeah, and, and like three seconds on the warm start. Right. I wasn't happy with either of those numbers, but three seconds was no. But that's a that's a far cry from where it was like before they switched the compression standard, right? Um, because it was like twenty or thirty seconds, depending on your machine. Oof. And yeah. and so they they've they've cut it way back, and like so, I feel like. Not every application has got that treatment so far, and they're True. just kind of working through the list as they update them. They'll they'll get addressed. So, and it's a whole different platform. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. True, true. I, I really feel like he picked on KCalc because it was the worst of everything. So, <sighs> I guess. And and we mentioned that the V double API and the H two sixty four and all that stuff. So he goes on to talk about drivers. Yeah. In a, in, in a way that solves some problems too. So but but I have to I have to concede on his point here because I do not know enough about browser or uh, drivers and how Flatpak handles them to really kind of rebut anything here. But the the thing that that really kind of got me is the sandboxing. So mm-hmm. here's where I have to flip the script and I have to agree with him here. Yep, I, I probably do here too as well. The flat pack sandboxing is not what you think it is right and nobody makes it apparent that it's not what you think it is because when you think of sandboxing when i think of sandboxing i think about android and ios and how they sandbox app sandbox apps and how they typically can't reach out and touch other apps they can't touch other user space things they can't mess with files that other apps have to created but that is not what Flatpak means, what 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 we are talking about with sandboxing in Flatpak. And I think on the Flatpak side, it is a bit disingenuous to say sandboxing and not clarify what you mean. Mm-hmm. Because here's his point on this is, is that that um, Flatpak has to uh, essentially just doesn't behave the way you expect right. in sandboxings. But but I want to take that point a bit further. And so I've been very pro flat pack up to this point, but I have to knock on them now. This is the point where flat pack has to come out and make a clarification about what they're talking about with sandboxing, because what they're talking about is not user space. They're talking about a flat pack will not break your system, not a flat pack will not accidentally get into your files and do janky things because just about every single flat pack that you install has full access to your home folder, which means that if there is a malicious flat pack in there that you have installed, you get the update, you get the malicious thing, mm-hmm. it can create 
new lines in your bash RC. It can, it can start mucking around with the files in your home folder. It can even take those files, delete them, or send them to some command and control yeah. server out there on the internet. And you've given it permission to do this because by default, flat packs are installed with home folder access. So, so there's the note uh, by default, right? And so here's where I'm going to re-recommend an application that we did before. Yes. This is, is called Flat Seal, right? And so you can go in there and see what your flat pack has permissions to on your file system. And so if you so choose it and you just wanted to have read only permissions on things on your home directory, you can manipulate that easily from the GUI and and take care of that. And so that's my recommendation is, is go in there. Even if you don't intend to change any of those things, you can at least see graphically in a quick look what the flat packs have access to. Um, because like you said, it's not sandboxed by default. And so you, you kind of need to take take note. I know there are like each application has its own uh, permissions to your file system. And some of them, annoyingly, you can't even read the things. But some of them have full read-write permissions. So you do have to watch it. And I recommend highly that you go look at it for yourself. Right, right, right. And I mean, we, we talked about um, a while back about, mm -hmm. you know, should we even be using these kinds of uh, these kinds of applications? Should we not just lean on uh, the package maintainers to handle all this kind of stuff? And I mean, as far as trust goes, yeah, we should be leaning on them to yeah, handle we do. stuff. And, and, you, and you do anyway. I mean, I guess the only thing to make it enhanced would be like at the time of installation, you can say, look, I've got a, you know, I, this app wants to access all of these, you know, parts of your, your file system. Do you want that or not? And I, that could get annoying. So I can see why you didn't, you know, throw it up in my face, but it could also be nice too. Yeah. To be honest with you, I, I really felt like he should have led with this in, in the particular blog post. It, because it's probably the best the, point he has. I, yes, <laughs> I, I think so too. Because, I mean, I'm a security wonk. I'm a privacy wonk. So this is this is the thing that really spoke to me. So, I mean, I, I have to hats off on this particular point because he makes a good one. Yep. And this is, I think, even though bubble wrap exists, to to kind of alleviate a lot of the user yep. land security, it's it's not used. A lot of these flat packs are still have full access to your home they folder, do. contrary to the way that sandboxing works on your phone, or at least where what, it does the way you think not. it should. Yeah, right. I mean, each each application on your phone gets its access to a writable portion of your of your SD card or your internal memory or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's its own. Right. And if you decide that you want to go in and intermingle those files, you can because you're the user, but those applications cannot do that. Right. However, in Flatpak, it's just absolutely not true. So using that sandboxing word in Flat, I feel like that absolutely has to get some kind of clarification there. Yes, it's in the doc. If you read 7,000 words into the doc, you will see that that's what sandboxing means in the flat pack context. Yep. But Nobody nobody's told that. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's told that when you when 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 a distribution says, "Hey, we have flat pack by default." Nobody tells you 
mm-hmm. that that is the thing. So you have to go be your own advocate and dig it all up and do it all yourself and figure it all out. But we're, again, to his point, we're touting this as some kind of real security feature when the things that you yeah. care about are not secure in any way whatsoever with the majority of these flat packs out there. Yep, I agree. All right. So so my 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 over the topness has to be tempered with the fact that he's making a good point with the sandboxing stuff and I fully agree with him here and 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 we do have to get some clarification on this kind of stuff. Yes. But S- sadly it came at the end of the article. Um But true. <laughs> and and so it came at the end of our rant well, because it- of I mean it's just kind of the flow of it. But the post does go on. There is more points. There, there are more points that he's trying to make. But in the interest of not boring you, yeah, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of cut it off right here. But you know, I, I think on a secondary point here, there's just so much ambiguity there, and I yeah. feel like there were so many kind of pot shots taken that yeah, you could have picked something else that was a little more mediocre than Cake Calc. I mean, come on. It, you could have had a system that had a couple of flat packs on it like most people with flat pack right. installed by default have. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like you were getting really hyperbolic with it. So we ended up kind of hyperbolic, but we, eh, okay, at least. There's a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, right, FUD? There um, is. There, there's a lot of that here. There is, there is, but... Good point with the sandboxing thing. I fully agree with you there. I think we need clarification. But, but, I think overall, um, the article, eh, Flatpak can do better. Snap, app image can do better. Sure. But we're, I think, at the beginning of these packaging formats journey. They yes. will get better. They, these things will get addressed. They've gotten better. They like yeah. he says they've been around a long time they have been around a while but they're still getting better and i think they're getting more and more attention because we're seeing more and more of them yeah so i mean that that's that's the real deal with this is that everything is ongoing open source is not fast it's not no matter no. what you think or how how much you respect the the people that are putting the work into it because they deserve your respect they are not Fat? Okay. Well, I don't think we should give up on something just because it's not perfect today. As long as we're seeing improvements come, we shouldn't give up on it. Slow and steady wins the race. I mean, Linux dominates the enterprise space, and they Mm -hmm. are notoriously slow for supporting things, new features and things like Mm -hmm. that. I mean, once people figured out that Linux was the platform, people started developing for it. But this is the the curse, I guess you could say, of open source is that people have to care about it first right. before things really start to pick up steam. Linux saw that. You see GNOME saw that. KDE is starting to see that. Yeah. And a lot of the projects around this open source stuff is starting to see a lot of that momentum now. Yep. I mean, look, gaming is seeing that oh, yeah, right yeah. now. We're watching it happen. Is, is it perfect? No, but it's, boy, is it nope. making some great strides. Right, and I think these packaging formats are are next up on the list because I don't think people care about distributions as much as no, I don't know. We we like to make it sound like, but people just want their app. That's it. The people want their application, um, and and they want them everywhere, and they want the same application that they've got, um, in all the places, um, and and hopefully the latest version of their application because that typically is the way 
things get addressed as far as bugs and features um, is you need to run the latest version. So, yep. Yep. And Flatpak is a workaround. Snap is a workaround. They're, they're, they're yep. workarounds for... They, they fix that. ...running on a slow-moving distro. So I, I think it's half in, half out. There's a lot of work to be done, but it's not like that work's not going to get done. These things are going to be taken care of. They will. The Linux and open source community has some fantastic resources, and we want to make sure to highlight that. In our showcase for this episode, we want to draw your attention to DJ Ware, the Cyber Gizmos YouTube channel. So DJ dives into all kinds of things, Linux and open source, and he jumps in, you know, right into the deep end, if you will, but he's there to explain it for you in a manner that I think you can understand very well. So good stuff. Got the link in the show notes. Um, Leo, have you checked out any of the content over there? Yeah. I watched his uh I watched his uh Rocky Linux 8.5. He goes yeah. into Proxmox yep. and Oh yeah. I mean that speaks to my soul cuz uh I mean the the whole uh one of the big reasons that I got into admin was Linux and then as I got into admin I got into more Linux and it was just like this hateful cycle yeah, they of go together. me just <laughs> cramming more stuff into my brain. And um this kind of brought me back to a lot of, I mean, really where I started from and where, uh, where I ultimately ended up. Sure. So, I mean, yeah. So, so I ended up watching the whole Rocky Linux 8.5 one where he goes into that, talks about the ser- server, talks about the GUI options, talks yep. about uh, live patching for the kernel, which is cool. So, yeah, I mean, that's actually kind of new. Uh, so that's that's nice to see. Yeah, exactly. So I, I was actually that, that's something that that I never got to take advantage of. Uh, when I was adminning some nope. of these servers, but it was really cool to actually see uh, what's going on and have him demonstrate it, which was, I mean, that's that's what I love. I love I love yep. watching other people work the magic so that um, I can take away some of that magic and work it myself. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and so he's talking about server things a little bit, but he's also talking about desktops and environments and distributions and a lot of the same stuff that we're into. So. Um, I mean, he he goes into UEFI boot stages, man. Which is important, kind of, but yeah. It's low down and dirty, just facts mm-hmm. about how things work. And that's what that's what speaks to me. I yep. love that kind of, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh that's there's, what's, there's a lot of that's those. what's I happening. I have a lot of those moments. <laughs> yes, really. And I mean it's it's not just Linux with him either. I mean if you're nope. if you're a fan of BSD, he yep. looks at uh free B- he looked at free BSD a while back. I remember that. But yeah. um I mean LDAP and authentication, I hate hate LDAP. <laughs> I absolutely hate it. But I mean the fact that he can sit there and explain it was is is, is it really is pretty cool. So yeah, just just good stuff. Yeah. Absolutely good stuff over there. It's fantastic. Love that channel. So please check it out. Feel free to send your emails to contact at linuxuserspace.show. We love our patrons, and thanks to everyone for your contributions. We truly appreciate your support. You can be like Josh and listen along if you're in the upper patron tier. Or oh yeah, you can get early access to episodes. Um, you know that's that's pretty great too. And you can join our Discord, and uh, we've got a separate uh, channel over there for for the patrons. So if you want to join, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Linux user space. We also have our matrix room. You can join us over there at Linux user space dot show slash matrix. And we've got telegram group 
you can join us over there at linuxuserspace.show slash telegram. And a couple of the topics that we've we've talked about today, we're, we've discussed there. And if those aren't enough, we've also got our Discord. I mentioned it. So linuxuserspace.show slash Discord. Please follow us on Twitter at linuxuserspace to get all the latest announcements for the show and highlights for things that impact your user space. You can watch our faces on YouTube, linuxuserspace.show slash YouTube. And if that's not enough for you to watch our face, you can get on, you can get them over on Odyssey on linuxuserspace.show slash Odyssey. Our latest social edition is Reddit. You can find our subreddit, linuxuserspace.show slash Reddit. We'll also have some news posts over there too. And if you've got some, you can feel free to comment and uh, post, post them there too. Lastly, don't forget to Rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application and like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and Odyssey. You can always get more information at our website, linuxuserspace.show. And I wanted to go back just a little bit because there was an, uh, there was an email that we had gotten a while back. Oh, that it was a bit of a long email, so I wanted to kind of condense it down to, I think, what he was getting at. And it had to do with our, uh, our Zorn episode. Okay. So to kind of condense it down, he says, when you manage Linux PCs for work and school, you need to have, by the way, this is um, Ed. Uh, he says, when you manage Linux PCs for work and school, you need to have something that requires the least amount of attention to keep working and has the least amount of downtime possible. Sure. You need something that if worse comes to worse, you can install and set back up in a matter of minutes. Restores from Deja Dupe have saved my tush mm. at least a couple of times already. Zorn has snaps and flat packs enabled by default yep. with almost no config needed. Zorn has been nothing short of a blessing, so while I enjoy tinkering with other distros, I need something like Ubuntu Proper LTS or Zorn OS, and it came down to choosing Zorn for my kids. That so, makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, Zorn was yep. our last episode, so that's yes, not, that's not yes. crazy old, Leo. You made me think I no. missed something. Oh no no no! But uh, but I did wanna I did wanna come around and talk about it a little bit because yeah. uh, I mean I I fully agree with you in that I mean Zorin is a good stable base because it's it's Ubuntu proper as you mentioned with mm -hmm. LTS, uh, but it's got that that um, that Windowsy look yep. and yep. feel and so not the Josh in the listening yeah. room but separate Josh just set that up. For I think he said it was his mom or his, his grandmother, parents? but yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. But uh, when you want a simple system that you don't want to tinker with, it's not going to be void. It's not going to be for as, <laughs> as much as I like void. Yep, it's, it's, it's not going to be void. It's not going to be straight but, arch. It's not going to be Linux from scratch. It's not going to be no, Gentoo. None of those, right? Right. Yeah. It's 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 gonna be something like if you're in my position, it's Linux Mint because I'm used to it. I know how Cinnamon works. I know how to how to tinker with it. Uh, unlike XFCE, if you're listening at the air, earlier well, parts I of the mean, show, that could probably work for a lot of people though too. True. If you're not doing multi monitors, go for it. If you're not closing the lid of your laptop, go for it. But otherwise, <laughs> I mean, you got some tinkering to do. Yeah. Um. But I think I mean. And and this is something that just really kind of shed light. That last episode shed light on Zorn OS for me, where I can fully say, if someone's like, well, I was thinking about Linux Mint, or I was thinking about Zorn OS, I didn't want this or that or whatever. I just wanted something that was very similar to Windows. I could very easily step aside and put my cinnamon Linux Mint bias mm -hmm. off to the side and say, you know what? Zorn OS is good. It is it's good. It's absolutely good. They don't have 
the the put your foot down kind of stance that that Clem from Linux Mint has about snaps so much so that they that they install it by they default. Have it by default and yeah. Right into Ed's point, that gives you access to a lot of things that you wouldn't have normally have at, ha, have have had access to. I mean, sure. think about um, one of the apps that we had a few a bunch of episodes ago. We talked about BPytop. Yeah. And BTOP, BTOP++ now, by the way, which is not in the app focus, but it should be, um, is the newer iteration of that. Mm-hmm. All of those are available in Snap. So by default, you're not getting that in Linux Mint. Right. So Zorin OS not only has a lot of the same, I think, you know, benefits that Linux Mint gets, it has more because it's it's shipping flat uh snap pa- snap yeah, snaps. <laughs> one of these yeah. snaps by default sure so you're getting access to things that you just wouldn't have access to otherwise but uh but he also mentioned that uh, he's been using Linux off and on since Warty Warthog wow, I don't even know what version that is what is that one I got I got to look it uh, up it was a while Ward. ago though huh it's a long time ago it was it was the second uh, it was the first time we went through the alphabet it was 4.10 it was one That's of the like earliest first, like the first this is that was 2004 yeah wow that okay so you've got some chops ed you got some chops um he he does mention that that i mean he doesn't consider himself like a professional or, or no, you know knows but a ton he's about been linux or anything to, to see a lot of different changes in the linux and, yeah you know, for you've sure. been You've been hit by a lot of the Linux bugs that, mm-hmm. you know, both Dan and I have been hit by. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, seriously, seriously, it's, it's yeah, I, I, I cool. appreciate how long you've been hanging around in the Linux circles. Um, so, yeah, th- thanks. Thanks for emailing in. Uh, thanks for letting us know what's going on. I appreciate that that you appreciated the Zorn episode to kind of um, help uh, yeah. help you choose that distro for your kids. Ah, man, it was good. It's good to know. It's good to see. And I appreciate you writing in. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks for listening. And thanks for your feedback. Right. All right, Uh, Leo. Time to focus. Push the the glasses up. I did get tested. Uh, And I got some new ones coming. So here we go. Good. Good. All right. Okay. So we've been talking about packaging. We've been talking about flat packs. So I felt it was only right to bring in something that will increase your enjoyment of flat packs just exponentially i feel like if you like to tinker around with themes a little bit so what am i talking about i'm talking about style pack refi 64 on github is very active in the flat uh, flat pack yes uh flat pack development and he's gone off and created style pack Cool. What is Style Pack? Style Pack is a flat pack theme helper that will take the currently used theme, even that wonky one you grabbed off of gnomelook.org that had like three whole downloads, and you thought, wait a minute, why are my flat packs not looking right? Why do they mm-hmm. why do they look mm-hmm. like the previous theme I was on or Edweta or Edweta. some some Everything other kind of Edweta. Exactly. So why is it not working? It's because Flatpak doesn't know about this because it's sandboxed from the rest of your system, but not your home folder if you listen to the previous <laughs> section. Anyway, so Style Pack does all the heavy lifting for you 
packages up that that random old janky theme that you got, creates a flat pack out of it, installs it as a flat pack, and then applies it to your flat pack apps. So your flat pack apps look right. Nice. That's the that was the last sore spot for me about flat packs. I didn't have startup trouble with flat packs. I didn't have performance issues or anything like that, but I did have theming issues and Anytime I go out and do that kind of thing, you know, new theme, that, that looks good. Let me get that. Um, Style Pack is going to be there to kind of catch me and make sure that all of the apps, including the system apps, including the Flatpak apps, look consistent and look right. They just look right. Nice. That's good. I find that annoying. Like, so here I am staring at Discord um, as a Flatpak and, um, you know, it's got the ad waiter theme. You yeah, know, cursors. And I'm talking cursors because that's really the only thing you see that's kind of theme based, if you will. You know, Discord right. puts and their own flavor on everything, right? And so then yep. I, I go to, you know, move the mouse cursor over top of something and I get the little, you know, mouse thingy that looks like. Oh, that, yeah, that, you can that see X, me in the X video. cursor. Yeah. Yeah, the X cursor. The ancient cursor that looks like, like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, only, yeah, no, that's just. No, please no. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. it that's, that's what's in void by default, by the way. So it uh, is. I'd wait up. It's the only one. <laughs> it don't look good. <laughs> anyway, so yes. Can you do this yourself? Yeah. But you have to know a little bit about flat packs. You have to know about how to put them together. You have to know where your themes live. You have to know how to package them correctly. So don't. Don't do that. But Okay, there's another there's another way. You don't have to package them up in a flat pack. You can just do a flat pack override and point it to user local share themes or uh, your home folder dot themes and put the theme in there and tell flat pack all about it. But I mean, you could even you could even use flat seal on a per app basis to tell it yep. that it doesn't know about these themes to point it to that particular directory. Don't do that. Just use style pack that's what it was created for it does all of the heavy lifting for you it answers all of the questions that you're going to be scratching your head about whenever you're trying to create a flat pack theme so just do that the the only real question you have when you're dealing with uh style pack is do i need to install this as a user theme or a system theme you know what just do both just do both if you're not sure just do both did you type in sudo Flatpak? Well, it's a system theme. Did you type in Flatpak? Well, then it's just a user theme. But if you don't remember, just do both. Just do both. Just, just do both. Just Cover do your both. Bases. Yep, 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 yep. If you're unsure, just do both. And it's good to go. Cool. So how do we use it? As I mentioned before, I mean, it's basically when I want to use one of those weird, cool themes that come out that just look fantastic. And I just have to get it on my system and I have to try it out. That's it. That's how I do it. Style pack. That way, everything is consistent. Easy peasy. Mops up all the ugly bits that I would have to normally do. And it just takes care of that. It makes it easy. And I like easy. So, Leo, will you use this? I'm, I already use it. I already, I've, I've done it at least three times and it's worked well nice. every time. Are, are you going to fix your Discord? I'm going to fix my Discord. Now that you've yes. shown me the way, I'm going to fix my Discord. And I like pretty apps, even though I'm not a creative person. I do like it to look nice. So And okay. consistent. Consistent is yep. the thing. So I'm all about that. So I'm excited to try this. 
we're doing good in Linux because we have a focus on consistency. I mean, yeah. yes, the windows close and minimize buttons all look the same, but they're all different sizes. Those title bars, you never know how big they're going to be, anything mm -hmm. like that. I mean, summer dark, summer light, doesn't really matter. Consistency is, didn't really seem like it's a If we can huge... clean that up a little bit, uh, you know, every little step helps, I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this is one way to kind of mop that up, make that a little bit better. So give it a shot. Very cool. Next time, we um, will continue our to wrap up our thoughts on, on Void Linux. Hopefully, you've been um, playing along at home. I know I'm pretty excited, and from the sounds of it, Leo is pretty excited as well. He's been enjoying himself. and It's uh, been giving me Slackware vibes. That's why yeah. I love it so much. It's so good. And, I mean... Hey, you get new packages. Like, there's some really new packages in there. It's it's rivaling Arch here, guys. Yep. yep. Guys, it's rivaling Arch here. And so I mentioned this on the live stream that we had in our planning session last week. Um, I, I was contemplating on reinstalling because I installed, you know, from the live CD and just did the XFCE thing and installed it and started playing around with it and just, just to get a feel of it. And then I said, well, this is great, but. I feel like I want to make this my own, much like a real experience. So I did a reinstall. And so now I have LXQ on Void and I've been kind of making it my own and I'm excited to tell you about it. Mm -mm -mm. Yep. There's a lot of customization that you have to do with Void. They just give you a blank slate and yep. you're meant to deal with it. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that. I'm pretty excited. Mm hmm. So thank you, everybody, for listening and for your support. Uh, where can we find you, Leo? You can find me on Twitter at Leo Chavez. And you can find me at KC2BEZ. Join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space. You know, some people call it gnome. Some people call it gnome. Some people call it gnome. Gnome. Gnome gnome. Maybe I don't. Gnome know. gnome. Gnome gnome. Hold up, Craig is about to take a dump on us. Look at this, Craig. You jerk. No, jerk is fine. <laughs> jerk is <laughs> Craig. Hello. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hello. <laughs> I haven't heard anything for five minutes. Has what, something what gone wrong? Are you just taking a break, or have you forgotten to Craig leave to stop the recording? Turn up your hearing I mean, aid, Craig. Come on. Seriously, Craig. Your brother Jerk is going to do a better job than you every single time. Jerk, I love you. That's why I love you, Jerk. You never let us down. Craig, every time. Every time. You, Craig just doesn't respond, doesn't listen, doesn't know. Who knows? How long does he Who hang knows? in there but until he, he jets? Uh, six hours, I think. Even if he doesn't hear anything? I think. Oh, well, that's a long time. I think once the, oh no, maybe that's just the length of the recording is what he'll, he'll probably jump out in a minute, but Jerk won't go anywhere, Jerk is reliable, Jerk should be Craig and Craig should be Jerk. If it's just a break, disregard the message, well we'll do that. Yeah, I'm disregarding right now, you're oh. not hearing anything anyway Craig. Cra Craig, we're on a break buddy, sorry. Yeah, we're taking a break dude, I just can't even with you right now. <laughs>